Well, Father in heaven, you are the Lord, and there is none like you. Holy, holy, holy is your name. The whole earth declares your glory. Jesus Christ, this is your church. We are your church. Say what you want to say to us today. Do the work that only you can do today by the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, unify us, sanctify us, purify us, break us, mold us, shape us, transform us through the power of the living and active word of God. Today, we need you. Oh Lord, look upon a church and I pray that you would see that we are hungry and humble before you today. Help us to listen well, to be attentive, remove distractions from every heart and every home. Whatever's going on this week, Lord, may it be so. May it be so that you would remove it and focus our eyes on the things that matter most right now. Fill my mouth, Spirit, say what you want to say. Guard it from error. And Jesus Christ, build your church and get all of the glory. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, loved ones, go ahead, open up your Bible to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, verses 20 to 26. And here we are. Praise the Lord. Here we are. It is the last message in this part of our series on the gospel of John. If you recall, back on October 11th, 2020, we started in John chapter 7, verse 53, where Jesus was just heading out to the Mount of Olives. And now here we are, verse by verse, line by line, over the last number of months in one of the most difficult ministry years that certainly our church has ever experienced. And yet by the grace of God, here we are, John chapter 17, where Jesus, again, is about to go back to the Mount of Olives, specifically the Garden of Gethsemane. All right, where just in a few hours, he is going to be arrested, put on trial, and ultimately crucified for the sin of the world. And so here we are, him and his disciples, they're getting ready to leave the upper room. They just had the last supper. And this, these seven verses right here, they conclude the farewell discourse, which started in John chapter 13 and is now finishing here at the end of John 17. And all throughout this discourse, remember, Jesus has just finished teaching the disciples what it means for them to live faithfully on mission for him after his departure, which, of course, was just a few hours away. Now, recall over the last few messages in John 17, this, this chapter is all one prayer that Jesus prays to the Father. And all of it answers this question that we need to answer every day in each situation. You ready? Here's what, the, here's what 17 answers. What does Jesus desire of his followers, of his church? What are Jesus's desires? What are his priorities for his followers? What are his purposes for his church? And you see, loved ones, it is so important that we come back to this, especially now 
launching into the new ministry year next weekend. We're Lord willing, we're going to be regathering for in-person worship services. It's so important we come back and ask ourselves the question, what does Jesus desire? What is his heart? For his church. Because here's the truth. We need to lock in. It's the big idea of all of chapter 17. You'll see it on the screen. It is this. To stay faithful in living on mission for Jesus. You must live by the desires of Jesus. It doesn't happen any other way. To stay faithful in living on mission for Jesus. You must live. We must as a church. Live by the desires of Jesus. So what are the desires of Jesus? Well, remember, John 17 is divided into three sections and it outlines what his desires are. Section one, we saw a few weeks ago, verses one to five, where Jesus is praying for himself. And we saw so clearly that Jesus's greatest desire was God's glory. God's glory was his top priority at all times and all things. And as we are called to be imitators of Christ, God's glory must be our top priority at all times, in all things. Hey, whose glory is on your agenda the most today? Whose glory is your priority? So that's the first thing we saw, Jesus' desire for God's glory. And then and then last week, we saw in section 2, verses 6 to 19, Jesus shifts his focus of prayer from himself to now praying for the 11 disciples that were with him in the upper room, the apostles. And we saw here that Jesus' desire was our distinction, our distinction to be increasingly set apart from the world in holiness, in righteousness, in purity, and on mission, right? So Jesus' desire was for God's glory, and then from the overflow of that, it was our distinction, and then from the overflow of that, we get to today, where Jesus again shifts his focus from praying specifically for the 11 disciples to now praying for all future believers, the future church. And what is his desire we see? Well, it's the overflow. God's glory, distinction, and what does that lead to? Our witness. Jesus' desire is for our faithful witness to the world. And it is crucial we come back to this. What is Jesus' heart for our witness? What does Jesus say we need to prioritize? as faithful witnesses for him. Because if you look around today, it's easy to see there's lots of ideas and opinions today about what faithful witness should look like, isn't there? We see it on social media. We hear it proclaimed from a whole bunch of different places, but we have to be careful. Because even with good intentions, Often, these ideas that we hear about what faithful witness should look like, what it should look like in the pandemic, what it should look like in your workplace, what it should look like in your marriage and in your home, even with good intentions, we have to be careful because often these ideas can be based on people's preferences and not Jesus's principles. Not Jesus's principles. And and what is the result of making people's preferences the principles that we're to live by? Well, just look around. The mission of God takes a backseat to the mission of self. That's the inevitable result. The mission of God takes a backseat to the mission of self. And what does it lead to? Well, just look around us today. Loved ones, deception, apathy in our walk with the Lord, fear. And here's a big one. 
division in the church. Think that's an issue today? Mm -hmm. Division in the church. And the result of this is an increasing compromise in our witness. But here in our text today, I want to encourage us with this today. I love how Jesus finishes with this. Here in our text today, we're going to see the three marks of a faithful witness. That Jesus desires us to increasingly live with individually and then corporately as the church. And these desires he has promised to bless and to reveal his glory through them and advance his kingdom no matter the circumstances as they are increasingly lived out in his power. You ready for this? Let's tune in. Grab your Bibles. John chapter 17, 20 to 26. Let's open and read God's word together. Ready? Let's go, church. John 17, verse 20. Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you've given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. What a beautiful text. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, to live as a faithful witness for Christ, the first thing we see here is that we must stand. How do we stand? United. In him. See, unity in Jesus magnifies our witness for Jesus. Let me say it again. Unity in Jesus magnifies our witness for Jesus. Question, are you standing united? Are you standing united in him? See, let's look at verse 20 to 23 again. Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Circle that word one. You're going to see it again. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. The glory that you've given me, I have given to them, that they may be one. There it is again, as we are one. There it is again. Circle it up. Big theme. See, Jesus shifts. As I mentioned, he shifts from praying specifically for his 11 disciples, right, to now all future believers. That's why he says, I do not pray for these only, these 11 disciples only, but I'm also praying this for all future believers who would believe in him. How? Notice the text. Through the apostles' preaching of God's word. The apostles' preaching of the gospel. Do you see that in verse 20, who will believe in me through their word, the preaching of the 
apostles. You see, and right off the top, what does Jesus pray for us? He prays that we, the church, may be one. Out of all the things he could have prayed, you know, he was like, Lord, give them big buildings and flashy light shows and, and, you know, comfy air-conditioned places and cushy chairs. What does he say? That they would be one. They would be one just as he and the Father are one. Do not miss this. Verse 21. Remember I told you to circle the word one? All right, if you haven't done it, do it now. One means this. It means opposed to dissensions and opposed to any division into parts. It is a supernatural unity, he's speaking here, a a oneness in heart and then a oneness on mission in being united to one another as we, the church, are united to Christ. You see, just as Jesus is, per- you see this? Just as Jesus is perfectly united to the Father. Remember, one God, three distinct persons God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, each fully God, but yet completely united. The Father, as Jesus says here, the Father is in Jesus. Notice the text. Jesus is in the Father. And then all future believers, the church, they're in Jesus, which means they're in the Father. Isn't that amazing? That's beautiful what he's talking about. Now notice this. Notice this today. Where does the unity come from? It comes from the Lord. Through what? Unity only comes through one voice. Did you catch it? Did you see it? In verse 20, notice where it comes from. Who will believe in me through their word. The apostles preaching of the gospel. The apostles preaching of the word of God. This is where unity comes from. From It is through one revelation. Did you see that in verse 20? One revelation. The word of God. And God revealing himself through Jesus Christ. Did you see that in verse 23? Through the glory of God that Jesus has revealed to us in the Bible. And then he continues to illuminate to us today through the work of the Holy Spirit. That he talked about in John 14 and John 16. See, he is, the glory of God is revealed through God's truth. Right? Jesus alone revealed the truth of God through his word and through his works. Jesus alone revealed the character and attributes of God. Jesus alone revealed the love of God because he was God made flesh. We are united in him through the preaching of his word and faith and belief in him through it. Amen? So here's the thing we need to understand right out of the gate. You'll see it on the screen. We must draw close to Jesus through his word if we are to draw close to each other in this world. I'll say it again. We must draw close to Jesus through his word if we are to draw close to each other in this world. Hey, question. Are you abiding in his word? Are you keeping his word? I'm not talking about like one moment of the day, but abiding, that unhindered fellowship, remembering it, storing it up, spending time with him daily, obeying it in his power 
we're to draw close to one another in unity, we must be drawing close to Jesus through his word. See, here's what we must understand. Jesus' desire is that we would become perfectly one. Did you see it in verse 23? That we would become perfectly one. What does that mean? Complete. Unity perfected. No sin. No division. Man, how beautiful would that be, huh? No sin, no division. And that as we draw closer to him, and we are increasingly transformed into his image through the Holy Spirit living in us, defeating sin in our lives. So that, notice this, verse 21 and 23, so that the world will see the unity. We're not going to get perfect unity on this side of eternity. That's going to come when we see Jesus face to face. We're going to see that in verse 24. But we should be increasingly growing in him and increasingly united in him as we draw near to him through his word and the Holy Spirit working inside of us, living inside of us, changes us from one degree of glory to the next into the image of Jesus. The more we are like Jesus, the more unified we become. And you see this in verse 21 and 23. What happens as we grow in unity? Hmm, witness. The world will see the unity and love of God on display as they see the church united. And as they hear the gospel proclaimed, and as they come to believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They know the church isn't just spouting off lip service about Jesus, but they see Jesus. See, here's the sum that we must understand. If I can sum all this up, these first four verses. Our unity is the picture of God to the world. The greater the unity, the greater the witness. Let's say it again. The greater the unity, the greater the witness. See, true unity, as one commentator said, I loved it, true unity is meant to be seen. True unity. Unity through the Word of God, through Jesus Christ, through the Spirit of God, growing together, sanctified, set apart in His name, is meant to be seen. Amen? And look around us today. Do you think the world would notice this? Do you think the world would notice this? Uh, uh, people growing together in Jesus Christ through his word, growing in love for one another and, and holiness and purity and forgiveness and showing mercy and, and growing in the image of Jesus and his sacrifice and service for one another and generosity. Do you think they'd notice? Yeah, you bet they would. This is a radical calling. This is radical, loved ones. See this? Why does this stand out so much? Why is it so distinct? Because look at the world's idea of unity, right? The world's idea of unity is just liking the same things, liking the same foods, liking the same hobbies, liking the same sports teams, liking the same movies, latest political decision or political party that's in power, uh, having the same socioeconomic status, having the same skin color. We're united on that. But you know this, this? Look what COVID-19 has exposed over the last year. This isn't true unity. This is empty. Those things do nothing to unify you. So you've got some things in common. It doesn't do anything to actually unify you. There's no true unity in that. Because that quote-unquote unity only lasts as long as you agree on it. Right? It 
only lasts as long as you agree on it. That's not true unity. And look at the last 17 months. This world is literally tearing itself apart, canceling out people that don't agree with you and aren't in your tribe anymore. Is that true unity? Is that the unity Jesus is talking about here? Not even close. Not even close. And just look at look at our church. Look at our church. Here's Jesus' unity, right? Jesus' unity through his church. Watch this. We don't all, like even here at Hope Ottawa, we don't all like the same sports teams, right? I'm a big Sens fan. <laughs> I know there's some diehard Leaf fans in our church. Praise the Lord. Love them. We're not gonna, we're not gonna break unity because we don't like the same sports teams, right? There's, we don't all like the same food, right? We don't all like the same movies. We don't all have the same hobbies. I'm consistently in awe of, as Jesus brings people to this church, just their, their talents and their interests. I'm like, man, you're describing what you do for a job. I don't even know what that is. That's incredible. You know, like we don't all have the same jobs. We don't all have the same socioeconomic status and background and marital and family status. We've got singles. We've got older couples. We've got young families. Like, like honestly, we, we're not all the same in that way. We don't all have the same skin color or ethnic background. But notice something, loved ones. See how powerful this is. Our unity is based upon something is based upon someone far greater and more powerful than any of those things. Amen. We believe and live the truth of the gospel. We believe in Jesus. Amen. Who transcends all of that stuff this world says you need to have to have unity, but is ultimately empty. See, our unity is not enabled or empowered by anything of ourselves or anything of this world, but it is enabled and empowered by him. Amen? Jesus Christ alone. Awesome. You see, unity in Jesus. No wonder it magnifies our witness for Jesus. Are you standing united? Are you standing united with your brothers and sisters? See, maybe you're here. And you, you've attended this church for a while now. Maybe you just started attending over COVID. And you're, you know, you sing the songs, you pray the prayers, you hang out with people from the church. But hey, hey, you've never confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. You never actually believed his word. That he is the son of God. That he is the Messiah who came to earth as fully God and fully man. He lived a perfect life and went to the cross, just as he's a few hours from doing right here in this text today. And he went to the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. Why? Because you and I cannot save ourselves. We cannot save ourselves from being separated from God for eternity in hell. Loved one, hear the word of the Lord today. That Jesus took the wrath of God. Believe the word that he took the wrath of God and he died and he rose again, defeating the power of sin and of death. And he now offers forgiveness and eternal life to all who repent of their sin and confess him as Lord. 
There's the beautiful truth of the gospel. But I just want to say the truth, and I want to say it in love to you today. Just hanging around with people from the church won't unite you in the church. Only Jesus will. Just as he says in verse 20, you must hear his word and believe. Don't believe the word of the world that says there are many ways to heaven. Don't believe the word of the world that says you can save yourself or there's all these so-called other gods that can take you to eternity and eternal life. Listen, believe his word right here. Believe the apostolic teaching of the gospel that has been passed down from the 11 apostles right here to generation to generation. Loved ones, you got to understand if the teaching is new, it's not true. And if the teaching is true, then it's not new. The same word Jesus is talking about here is the same word he calls people to believe in today. Will you believe? Will you believe? And brothers and sisters, here's our question. Are you standing united together in Jesus Christ? Standing united, abiding in him. See, through the word, the word of Christ. See, here's the thing. Whose word has the prominent influence in your life right now? The word of the world? The word of yourself? Or the word of God? Loved ones, there's only one word that unites us. Only one word. Are you abiding? That unhindered fellowship. Jesus says in John 15, 4, 5, remember, apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me. Abide in me. Through word and in prayer, praying the word back to him and following him in obedience in his power. And you say, well, what does that obedience look like? And specifically, remember Ephesians 4, 1 to 3, our theme text for this year. You'll see it on the screen one last time here. Paul says, a prisoner for the Lord I am. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Obedience, after abiding in Jesus, obedience as part of that. How? With all humility. There's no unity without humility. And gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love and eager to maintain unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Hey, loved ones, here's what we need to hear today. Ready? Eyes up here. If if they are going to see Jesus, they must see unity. Right here, from our Savior's mouth. If they are going to see Jesus, the picture of God himself, perfectly united, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. If they're going to see Jesus, they must see unity. To live as a faithful witness for Christ, we must stand. We must stand united in him. And with this, here it is, we must focus. Focus on what? On eternity with him. See, our eternal hope fuels our present witness. Say it again. Our eternal hope fuels our present witness. Hey, hey, question. Where's your focus? Where is your focus? Go back to verse 24. Let's go. It says this. Father, 
I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. See, Jesus now makes his second request for his church that we would be with him. You see that? In his presence in heaven and that we would see his full glory that the Father, out of his love for him, had given to him before Jesus even came to earth. And here we see evidence again for the eternal existence of Christ. He wasn't a created being. He eternally existed with God, as God, even before the creation of the world. Now, this is so important. Circle the word see on there, okay? Circle the word see in verse 24. This isn't just, when Jesus uses this term, this isn't just meaning to look at something. Like, okay, I see that. Yeah, I see that's going on. Okay, I saw that. No, 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 no. This word see here is not just to see, but it means to experience it. Awesome. It means to experience it. Look at the text. Look at what it means, loved ones. This is our great hope. This is our great hope right here. That Jesus is declaring and petitioning for us and the perspective that we must live with at all times and in all things remember church this world is not our home amen praise the lord this world is not our home as followers of jesus remember from john 14 verses 2 and 3 jesus has promised us a place with him amen in heaven for eternity And on that day, when he comes back and we see him face to face, we will not just see him in his glory, but we will share his glory with him. This is why 1 John 3, verse 2 says, we will be like him. Just picture that. We will be like him experiencing his glory as we too are glorified in our glorified bodies and the presence of sin is removed forever. Hey, are you longing for that day? I'm longing for that day, church. The presence of sin removed forever. Think about what this means, that they may see my glory. Here it is. No more pain. No more fear. We'll see him in his glory and experience it and share it with him. Here's what it means. No more sorrow. No more suffering. No more despair. No more discouragement. No more anxiety. No more weariness. We will see him in his glory. No more injustice. No more conflict. No more wars or violence.
no more tears. When we are with him and see his glory, are we living in light of that day? See, this was Jesus' focus, this eternal perspective, not just here, but all throughout the Gospel of John, if you remember. This was his focus, the eternal perspective, and the one that we must live with in his power if, and imitate if we are to faithfully live on mission for him, or here's the reality, we will easily lose heart. Isn't it so easy to lose heart, loved ones? It's so easy to lose this perspective of what is coming. And it's so easy today to live distracted lives with our eyes off Christ and off our eternal hope with him to take our eyes off him and to live with the temporary perspective of putting our hope in the things of this world. This is so easy to do. Putting our hope in the things of this world and making this world our home and living for the here and now instead of what is to come. And taking on the world's attitudes and priorities and values and losing our distinction in Christ because we just live like the world. We just make the world our home. But here's the truth we need to understand. Distraction will derail devotion. Distraction will derail devotion. This is why Jesus comes back to the eternal focus yet again right here, just hours away from the cross, when it would have been so easy for him to be distracted with this and just the suffering that was coming and all this stuff. He kept his eyes where they needed to be. The eternal focus, the glory that awaited him. See, here's the truth we got to understand, loved ones. The devil doesn't need to destroy a Christian to make him or her ineffective. He doesn't need to destroy a Christian. He just needs to distract them. Get their eyes off the prize. Get their eyes off eternity. Just get focused on the here and now, the horizontal perspective. Listen, the devil tried it with Jesus. Just look at Matthew chapter 4. The devil tried to distract Jesus from this. What do you think he's going to do to us? He's going to try to distract us into this la-la land of making this world our home. Little by little, little compromise after little. Distraction derails devotion. Church. Church, loved ones, Hope Ottawa, we must come back to this truth today. This world is not our home. This world is not our home. But as the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, 2021, you'll see it on the screen. He says, our citizenship as followers of Jesus Christ is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this promise, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. This is what Jesus is speaking of here. That they may see my glory, experience my glory. We don't become Jesus. We become like Jesus. We, as our bodies are glorified and the presence of sin is removed, we will be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. What's that? The power of God. Praise the Lord. Are we living in light of this day? Praise the Lord. This eternal perspective right here that Jesus is, is desiring for us, desiring for us to live with, 
is our realignment for the assignment. It is our daily realignment for our assignment, living in light of eternity. Praise the Lord, not being so focused, making this world our home. No, 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 no. Our citizenship's in heaven. This is our realignment for our assignment. Praise the Lord. Our eternal hope fuels our present witness. Where is your focus? Loved one, let's just be honest. Where is your focus? I have to fight this every day because, man, it's a struggle sometimes, isn't it? To keep the eternal perspective. Are you living in light of eternity? Is this your greatest hope? See, because what, listen to this, what you hope in is what you focus on. If you're hoping and putting all your hope in your grades, that's what you're going to focus on. If you're hoping in getting a spouse, that's what you're going to focus on. If you're hoping in people or comfort, that's what you're going to focus on. Or money, that's what you'll focus on. Where is your focus? Ultimately, your focus shows where your hope lies. Are we living in light of eternity? In light of this day? How about in your situation right now? Where do you need to be realigned for the assignment? Where do you need that? Setting your hope in the promise of Jesus that he has prepared a place for you and you will be with him and will be like him. Presence of sin removed and letting this fuel you, fuel you to live with gospel priorities, gospel urgency, and gospel hope right in the middle of that situation you're facing. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's just discouragement in your workplace or uh, uncertainty of what's going to go on in the election and what's all this. Be at peace. Are we living in light of eternity? Where do you need to repent of setting your hope in these other things? What is it for you? Just write it down. Lord, I repent of setting my hope in. Why? And losing my eternal perspective, just living for the here and now. Where do we need to repent of our distractions, our apathy, our self-pity when things don't go our way in this world, our self-promotion or where we want status? Where do we need to repent of all these distractions and realign ourselves today? that we would be faithful witnesses for Jesus Christ. See, to live as a faithful witness for Christ, we must stand united in him. And we must focus on eternity with him. And in all this, to stay faithful, we must remember. What are we remembering? His promise. His promise. See, the presence of Jesus empowers our witness for Jesus. That's good news, amen? The presence of Jesus empowers our witness for Jesus. Will you call on him today? Will you call on him? Look at verse 25 and 26 as we take it home. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. See, Jesus summarizes his prayer by saying that even though the world, remember our context, religious leaders, even though the world didn't know the Father, the true God, even though the religious leaders here, like many in our world today, they claim to know the true God, but they do not. 
He says the disciples, the 11 that are with him, and all true believers in the church to come, they will know God. They will truly know God. How? Verses 25, 26. Because as Jesus has revealed God the Father to them, where he says, I've revealed to them your name, I've made known to them your name, that means you, the attributes, the qualities, God himself. Right? Because as Jesus has revealed that, and they believed in Jesus as the Son of God and the Messiah that was sent by God. This is how they will know God. And then look at, watch this. Then in verse 26, Jesus finishes by giving such an encouraging promise. Notice the promise. Go to the text. He says that he will continue to reveal God to them, to all his disciples through the word of God. He would continue to reveal God to them through the Holy Spirit illuminating that he would send us to live inside of us, our helper to live in us and illuminate the truth of God to us and to guide us into all truth and to empower and transform them more and more into the image of Jesus. Awesome promise. He's going to live in us to do that. Praise the Lord. Why? We see in the back half of verse 26. Here it is. That the love of the Father has for the Son would be displayed in and through us. God's love for his Son would ultimately be displayed in us, in our love for him and one another. Awesome. See, here's the truth we need to understand here. The revelation of God, right here, the revelation of God is given to display the love of God. The revelation of God is given to display the love of God. And today, church family, this world is crying out for this. They are crying out for the love of God. They are desperate to see it. And God has purposed his church to reveal it through their Christ-empowered love for him and for one another. Hey, Hope Ottawa. What are they seeing when they see us? Who are they seeing? How about the community of South Keys that we will, Lord willing, be regathering for in person next week? Who are they seeing in your workplace? In the neighborhood? Are they seeing the same selfishness, the same conflict, the same love of self, the same division, the same gossip? Are they seeing the same pride, the grumbling? the partiality that they have come to expect from this world? Is that, is that what they're seeing when they see us? Or are they seeing the picture of Jesus? The picture of the Father's love for the Son through our love for one another and for Him. What are they seeing? Don't forget John 13, 34 to 35. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. The love of the Father for the Son shown through the love of his people for one another. 
that you love one another just as I have loved you. Jesus, the standard for our love. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. There's the witness. Seeing the love of the Father for the Son through the love of his people for one another and for him. They will know we are Christians by our love. Amen? See, the presence of Jesus empowers our witness for Jesus. Will you call on him? Will you call on him? Crying out, Lord, help me to know you more through your word. Help me to know you more. And from this, help me to love you more. And stir me up in a deepening hunger for your word. And let your revelation empower my affection for you and for my brothers and sisters and the lost. I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. I can't manufacture this unity, this love, this desire on my own. I will fall flat every time. Loved ones, as we move into the new ministry year, there's so many neat things that God is doing, but don't forget this. As we move into the new ministry year, remember, Jesus just didn't give us this model of love, of unity, he didn't just give us the model for witness. He gave us the means for witness. He gave us the means. He gave us himself. Notice those last three beautiful words in verse 26. I in them. You see that? Circle that. Jesus is like, I will be with you always to the end of the age. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will keep you. And I will finish the work that I started in you. Amen? See, Jesus has promised to be with us. Amen. He will never leave us or forsake us. And he has promised to empower us to live as faithful witnesses for him to the end. In standing united in him, focused on eternity with him and remembering his promise that he is with us always to the end of the age. You be encouraged with that today. And through his power at work in us and through us, he will draw many others to himself. He will build his church and he will finish that good work that he has started. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. These are his desires. This is our mission. Hey, Hope Ottawa, you ready? You ready? Let's go. Let's go. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, you are awesome. You are our Savior. You are our King. And thank you that you are with us to the end of the age. Lord, who can love like this? Who can stand in unity like this? Lord, we need your help. Help us to remember your promise and to call on your name. And I pray that as you continue to build your church here at Hope Ottawa, that you would increasingly unite us in you, transforming us more and more into your image, seeing the power of sin defeated, that we would increasingly be one as you are one. And all that we may live in light of eternity in this day when it's so easy to be focused and discouraged on the things of this world and disheartened. Lord, let us look to you and run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. 
knowing that you are faithful and will do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Loved ones, will you stand and respond in worship with us today?